Hi, and welcome to Fassifern Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, and it will both challenge and inspire you. I'll turn to the Word of God. If you've got your Bibles, well, I used to say if you've got your Bibles, open to Matthew 5. Um, if you've got your electronic devices, uh, turn it on and tap the screen to Matthew 5. And we're reading the Beatitudes 1 to 12. So when you're ready, here we go. Uh, so Matthew 5, 1 to 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and he was seated, and, and he was seated his disciples. When he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, <coughs> for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We've taken a couple of weeks to get our understanding of that word blessed. We've looked at the definitions, we looked at the verses, we looked at what the world thinks it is. We've looked at what James, the head of the early church, the chief leader of uh, the Church of Jerusalem, actually how he used it and what he meant by it and what the early church saw was blessed. And, uh, and so we've looked at that so we can read the scriptures correctly. Now, I'm not going to go over that. We did that for two weeks, so I'm not going to go over that again. Um, but it isn't about being happy or comfortable or prosperous measured by possessions or positions as the world understands it. Literally, I'm going to, with all we've said, I've, I've, I'm just going to simplify it with, with the definition of a deep, unshakable joy that's rooted in knowing that he walks with me until I can walk with him. I love that phrase. I did come up with it myself, actually. Uh, I'm really impressed with myself at the moment because uh, it's, it's simple yet it's really, really profound. Well, it is to me anyway. Um, you might go, duh. But anyway, the deal is, um, let me say it again. It, it, a deep, unshakable joy, definition of blessed, a deep, unshakable joy that's rooted in the knowledge that he walks with me until I can walk with him. So we looked at the word blessed now we're going to start to look at the Beatitudes. Um, nine affirmations of a reality that already exists. Right? We need to understand. It's simple, but these things that um, aren't rewards when we work our way through what we're in. They're not. This, this doesn't come, these blessings don't come afterwards. These are nine existing realities, right? Nine existing realities, not rewards that come because we've made it through or passed the test, nothing like that. These are nine realities that already exist, right? And, and so 
it's like when we read this, oftentimes, oh, blessed are the poor because then God's going to do this. Oh, blessed are the meek because then God's going to... No, no. These realities already exist in what we're going through. It's just we've got to recognize that. So here we are, um, Matthew 5, 3, the first one. And, and when you put some thought in, it's quite obviously why it's the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So uh, what's that poor in spirit all about? And I know, you know, many of you have been in church a long time and you've heard sermons through this, but, but I just want to remind, refresh, and even add a little bit to what you've already got from this passage. Poor in spirit. Uh, this has nothing to do with ones making themselves appear of no significance or value. Oftentimes, um, because of our understanding of humility and, and we come on with this pseudo, this front where we almost pretend to be humble, uh, poor in spirit. It, it's, it's not something that we actually force ourselves into. Or, you know, um, it, it's... It's not something that we make ourselves appear, or even of lower self-esteem. People do it naturally because they think they are of no significance or no value. But, but sometimes because of scriptures, and we understand that this is what it means, sometimes we, we work at appearing to be of no value, appearing to be, you know, um, of no significance. But poor spirit is nothing to do with that at all. Um, in fact, I want to suggest that, that if, we, if we take that performance, if we think like that, if, whether it either comes from, from um, a genuine attempt to be humble or a genuine attempt to appear poor in spirit, or whether it just comes because we undervalue ourselves, because we've got low self-esteem or something like that, I, I want to suggest that position is almost blasphemous. I want to suggest that it's, it was, it's almost, almost borderline blasphemous. And, and if you think it through, what it actually says, it actually um, devalues the accomplishments of Christ on the cross. Saying, well, look at me. I, I'm just, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. When the truth is he died because he loved you because he thinks you are something. He died for you because you are important, you're valuable to him. And, and we all know that we've been created, every person who's ever created is created because there's a purpose, there's a reason to their life. So to say that's not true is blasphemous and anti-God. I don't know if you've met people, but I've met people who, who do act like that. Uh, behind, there's, there's a pride because they think they are something, but then in public, they want to act like they are nothing. And we've got the other extreme where there's people who've been, because of what they've been through, the way they've been treated, what they've suffered and abused, they literally think that they are worthless, are insignificant, and just because of that try to survive. But the deal is both stands are incorrect. You are valued. You are people, we are people of significance. We are, we are highly valued by God. And so um, let, let's not play that game um, because we are created by a Father who loved us so much. So as I... As I've shared several times just of late, and it's a revelation that sort of impacted me late last year, was 
you know, God can come up with a plan of salvation where, yeah, Jesus died for my sin and I could be forgiven of sin so I could be with him forever in heaven and bring them benefits. But the fact that he goes beyond that to make me a son or a daughter, to make me his child, for me just blows my... It's infinitely times more significant than just I'm saved and going to heaven. No, no, what's really, really is the most impressive thing is that God has made me his son. And he loves me so much. It's not just a hobby, it's just that he's passionately in love. And so um, we need to get our thinking right, right there. So uh, this, is, uh, this poor in spirit thing is a realisation which hopefully turns into a confession that on our own, we are spiritually bankrupt. I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking pure spirit here. The pouring spirit, we're referring spirit here. We are, on our own, we are spiritually bankrupt. Uh, bankrupt. We literally have nothing. We've blown it, it's gone. Spirit, you hear what I'm saying? We're talking about spiritually poor here. So the deal is we come to a place where all of a sudden, and, and this, is, this is why this is the first of the Beatitudes, the first of the affirmations, affirming statements of Christ. This is the first one because everything starts right there. Coming to the place where we realise spiritually, and, and we don't realise it, it's a revelation from the Holy Spirit. It's heaven revealing the truth. It's a pulling back the curtain. It's helping to see and understand. Spiritually, we got Nothing. I'm talking spiritually. Spiritually, we got nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's why everything, that's why it's first on the list. That's why it's, it's start, the start and the birth of everything. The realisation, the revelation, when we start to un respond and look at the revelation that he makes us aware of, is that we are spiritually bankrupt. We have got nothing spiritually. Everything starts with that. Because then when you realise you're spiritually poor, then you cry out to the one who has abundance of what you need. Can, can, am I stating the blindingly obvious? I have to. In fact, why don't we have communion on that truth right now? You peel back the first little film, reveal the wafer... Hey, why are we doing this? To remind us that we were spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing spiritually beneficial at all. Nothing that we can point to and say, that's got to be worth something. We have nothing. And yet the Father loved us so much. Created and then born again. So much. That he sent his son, his only begotten son, to die for us. That whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we, we take off the film and we remind ourselves that we have spiritually nothing without him, but with him. And, and this is the price he paid. This is how much he valued us. This is... A, the, the demonstration, the acting out, the response of his love to that truth that he gave his son, 
who laid down his life for the forgiveness of our sins. So, so just as a reminder right now of that fundamental truth, why don't we take the symbols, remind ourselves, his body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me. Because I had nothing. I, in fact, I was in debt. Unpayable. An unpayable debt. And yet he paid for it. Everything in our journey with God. Everything in our relationship with God has to start at that point. It's got nothing to do with just feeling low or feeling bad, making oneself appear to have no significance or value. No, no. It's a revelation. It's God putting the light on. It's the Holy Spirit helping us to see that we're in desperate need but he loves us so much. He cares for us so much. Can, can, am, am, I, am I stating the blindingly obvious? Am I repeating myself to the point of boredom? I, this is so fundamental, yet it's so, so profound that we need to come to the place where we reckon spiritually I'm bankrupt. Spiritually, there's nothing of any benefit for me at all. It's spiritually. When I get to that place, <laughs> then I can look to the one who says he's got more than enough for me. Um, in the language of the day, that this was written in the Greek language, the two, there's two main words for poverty, for poor. And I'm not going to try and pronounce them, never do, because, you know, I probably could get away with it because you wouldn't know the mistakes I was making, but it just wasted time anyway. Uh, like speaking in tongues, uh, that only benefits me. Um, so I'm not going to say the Greek words, but the two main words literally mean the working poor and the truly poor. They're the two main words used to describe the poor. The deal is, and it's the same today, uh, the working poor are those people who survive, who work and get just enough to survive for today. They're literally working to cover to today. Uh, they're basically just getting through. And then there's the truly poor. That's the way Jesus calls them, the truly poor. The truly poor are absolutely, completely dependent on others. To the point where they absolutely rely on begging. The truly poor are beggars. And, and they beg because there is not, it's not because they're lazy, it's because there's no opportunity. There's, if, they got no hope. There's no hope. There's no opportunity for something better. So they beg. And so, probably the more accurate translation. Uh, Matthew 5.3 is blessed are the spiritual beggars 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, in our first church, when we started the role as pastors in Mariba, we developed a friendship with the man who was a businessman, a couple of shops going, and this is the time when Cairns was doing really, really well because of the Japanese uh, markets. They did extremely well. So, and, and this man, we got to know him and he's very honest with us and he literally, talking to him one day, literally said to me, you know, Dennis, if I haven't got $7,000 cash, this is in the early 90s, if I haven't got $7,000 in cash on me, I am absolutely broke. And of course, he was talking about the pressures and requirements of the business he was running and stuff like that. But he said, if I haven't got access, he wasn't talking about his assets. He said, if I haven't got $7,000 cash on me right now, I am broke. I'm done. Of course, that was in the days when um, my, our measurements on um, whether we were broke enough is if we had toilet paper and bread rolls. That was enough. If We was in trouble if we didn't have them. But everything's relative. I know that everything's relative. I, I actually knew a man also, and this was down on the Gold Coast, a lovely man. He's, he's since gone to be with the Lord. But, but he, we were helping him one day and we was having tea with him in his beautiful unit. Um, beautiful unit. Great view of the ocean and the interland. It was just a wonderful property. Uh, but he said in, in purchasing that and moving in there, he had become um, asset-rich, rich but cashless. So his assets were worth the fortune, but he had no money. It's all relative. I know it's relative. And I was, you know, I was sitting there trying to understand what are you saying as I'm looking at these gorgeous views on the 17th floor of this huge apartment. And I'm going, oh, yeah, what? <laughs> anyway, but it's all relevant. And then you go to India and, and you see the real poor, the truly poor, the widows, the orphans who either have to beg or turn to crime or prostitution because there's no opportunity for them to advance. And, and so that's the picture in, in the worldly setting of what the working poor and the truly poor are, and, and it's, it's part of our society. But Jesus is saying here, we've got to be the beggars. We've we got to be those with, who realize there is no hope. There is no opportunity for us spiritually. We've we got to become spiritual beggars. Totally, absolutely, totally reliant on him. Um, blessed are the spiritual beggars. Uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So again, doesn't come from some self-induced woe is me attitude. Um, this comes from divine revelation. And, and, and you know people, we've met people, we've known people who um, are the working poor 
and but I've also met people who are the truly poor. And and I don't know what it is, but for some reason they're just locked in that because they can't see or they won't see the truth. I'm talking spiritually here, you know what I'm saying? I'm, the other is true also, but I'm talking spiritually here. And the deal is you can't see until you're shown, but once you're shown, you've got to see, you've got to look. It's no coincidence that this is the first affirmation for the whole journey, the whole relationship. Uh, it starts right here. We have to come to the reality and put aside any illusions we have of ourselves spiritually. And realise we are in unbelievable deficit. We are not just bankrupt, we're in unpayable debt. And when we come to that place, and only that place, then things can change. Because in that place, once you've seen that, once you know that, you come to that place and you can start to rely on him. Because when, you, when you're a beggar, you obviously go to the one who has an abundance of what you're looking for. So we need to be aware of the dangers of thinking differently. Of thinking, you know, we, we're all Christians and, and we, we, we know the cliches, we, we got the theology, the main parts of theology down pat, we, we know how it goes but the, but the truth is in our own carnal, logical, rational rationalising of the truth, we can start to think we're something and uh, I've met people who start to think they're something and deserving and um, looking at the people they're supposed to be serving as people who are now called to serve them. And it's not pretty. And it's not nice. And, and it's pretty embarrassing, but everybody involved can't see it. And people get hurt. I, I could tell you offhand at least maybe four stories of people who will never go back to church because they thought, they was obligated to serve somebody who thought they were there to serve him. When he was there to serve them. We need to be very aware of the dangers and, and ever mindful. As Paul says it this way, there go I, but by the grace of God. It's only grace. It's on, only him. In fact, in John 14, 6, we have the memory verse, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to continually and, and increasingly, again, look into the author and the finish of my faith, keep coming back to that truth and reminding myself, I, I gotta, I gotta see. I gotta see him more. In, in fact, you know, we start um, our prayer meetings for this meeting. 
with God help us. I remember as a young man, I used to pray, God, fill this meeting. Bring them all up, get them out of bed, stir them up, convict them, draw them all in. Fill this house with people. And uh, I realised that uh, God's not a bully and it's their choice whether to come and worship God or not. And I had to change my prayer, but I, I've started to pray, God, fill this meeting with you, with your presence, with your glory, with the reality of your purpose, with the reality of your presence. Fill so that whoever does come to this meeting will come in you and they'll know they've been in you. They, they will know that they've heard from you. They will know that you've been touched by you. They, and the evidence of that won't be like weird, freaky signs and wonders, but it'll be lives that are changed. Hearts that are healed and minds that can think clearly. Minds that can be set free. Hearts that can be healed, minds that can be set free. So that we can see the truth and walk in the truth. And the truth is there's only one way to the Father, it's through Jesus. And there's only way, one way to get to Jesus. And that's to realise how desperately we need him. Because without him spiritually, I'm bankrupt. I'm in unpayable debt. There's an incredible deficit that's just crushing me and will end up in eternal hell, damnation because of it. But then comes the revelation. Hey, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, hey, let me show you something. So he shows us, but we've got to see it. And we've we got to keep our eyes on it. We Looking under Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Earlier I referred to the Beatitudes as nine affirmations of a reality that already exists. The blessings that already exist. doesn't come when you work your way through it, when, you've come, when you think you've come out of it, but it's already a reality in what we're coming through. The poor in spirit, they're aware of their great poverty. They're aware of their bankruptcy. They're aware of their need. And, and so in that place, they're looking to him. And they're begging. They're begging to the one who has abundance of what they need. So in that spiritual poverty, we become incredibly rich. Can, can I suggest that we need to continue to walk in the awareness of our spiritual poverty so that we can enjoy? Jesus said, Blessed are the spiritually poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The resources of heaven are for the spiritually poor. It's not that, okay, I was poor, but now I'm rich. So, no, no. If we continually walk in the awareness of our spiritual problem, maybe I should put it on our absolute reliance on him. Maybe we walk in the reliance that we've got nothing of any benefit for ourselves. It's all found in him. Maybe then the resource of heaven are more accessible for me. Blessed are the spiritual beggars, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's, the, here's part of the truth about that. Um, it doesn't imply that God's going to take them home. It just means 
that I have all the access to all the benefits of the kingdom of heaven because I'm spiritually poor, because I'm aware of that. Um, everything, everything you need right now spiritually is yours, can be yours. If you can acknowledge, if you remind yourself, And if you maintain that walk, that attitude of being spiritually poor, you have access to everything you need. Um, So, we live and we walk with incredible spiritual wealth. In Ephesians 2, 4 and 6, we read this. But God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The resources of heaven are shared with us. We're on this earth right now and and there's there's the reminder that, you know, spiritually, I haven't got it. But because of that, because of that attitude, because I'm continually reminding myself of that, I have access to heaven. And he says, you're actually seated in heavenly places. You know, it talks about authority now. So I'm a beggar, an absolute beggar, but I've been raised up and given incredible authority. But if I start to get a bit arrogant about that, or presumptuous, or forget where I'm really at, I I lose access to that. Here's the thing, see. Um, We've got to get to a place where we know this is true, but then we believe what he says about it. We've got to believe in the blessings that he said are there for the spiritually poor. Because it's only in our faith that we can reach out and grab a hold of these things. I hope I'm not talking in circles and confusing everybody here. But I I believe with all my heart that and and surveys have shown that uh, across the land, churchgoers are looking for more significant spiritual influence. They're looking for authority. And not to lord it over people, but to bless people, to heal people, to bring people into the light, to set them free from bondages. People are looking for spiritual influence for, in a good way. Not, not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of people they're loving. People, people are looking for the truth. And so my, and it's always been our intention, our blessing, to see people blessed, but blessed to be a blessing. To see people want stuff for those who they love and care for. Now, um, if we start to grasp this truth, we have access to everything we need. Now, I need to, 
I need to remind us that um, we love some people who have some very serious and very challenging situations. All sorts of bondages. Heads that are messed up, hearts that are broken. And, and there is an answer for them. But just because we're praying and fasting for them doesn't mean that they'll get it. What it does mean is God will present it to them and they have to choose it. So long, so many years we've been praying and we've been binding devils and praying about situations, circumstances and asking for the blessings of God and, and, and we continue to do so. But ultimately it doesn't make much difference because they've got to receive it. They've got to open up and want it themselves. And, and you know, you know it's, it's true how many times as God answered those sort of prayers and people with great needs have come, but as soon as things get better, they leave. They forget. Or, or they somehow do some mental gymnastics and explain it away or rationalise it away, only to find themselves back in trouble and asking again. And, and God is gracious of patience, but the trouble is eventually they give up and accept their reality and, and live enslaved. So we, it's not that we'll refuse or stop praying for them. No, we certainly won't. But we've got to understand that in this, when you pray, God makes a way. God opens the door. God presents to them a solution. God puts a strategy. God... God comes in and helps, but then they've got, to, they've got to want it. But every time we've prayed, I'm telling you, the light does shine. Answers come. Chains are broken. Don't, get, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's no power in prayer. I'm saying it's absolute. But ultimately, those people, they have to make the decision. God won't force it on them. Not an excuse to stop praying. We pray more. I want to pray this morning for us. Because, you know, we, we've been asking God, that, speaking it out, that we would all grow in the knowledge of our God. And we would grow in the knowledge of God. And, and with that comes wisdom and faith and hope and love and the whole package um, but I know, for some of us, stuff happens. People are people. Whether they're Christian and church going or not doesn't seem to matter much. The people are people. Um, and, and we need, we, sometimes we become weary. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes there's a bad teaching or a misunderstanding. But, but I know here right now that in this moment, I want us to remember, to remind ourselves that the truth is we're spiritually poor. But here's, a, here's another truth with that. Most of us here want to grow in God. Most of us know there's more in God. Most of us want that in God. And most of us here are willing to pay the price to get it. We're willing to walk in it. I know that. Years of frustration sometimes have dampened that passion and zeal, I know. But, but here's the truth. 
deep down inside of each and every person here this morning, I believe there's a little place where we all know there's more in God and we want it. We're just not sure how to get there. Well, I, I want us to pray this morning. So can I have the team back right now? I want us to pray this morning. And, and what, what, I, what I want us to pray is to almost that confession. I am spiritually poor without you, Lord. I, I haven't got enough. I haven't got what it takes without you, Lord. But in, in this place right now, in this time, in that truth, in this reality... I'm incredibly blessed. I know I'm blessed, Lord. I know this, that you're with me and you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That you know, you know, you knew the end from the beginning. And, and there's a reason, there's a plan, there's a purpose. And I know this also, that you meet me where I'm at. And you walk with me until I can walk with you. And so right now, it's sounding a little bit selfish, I know, but we're really doing this for those we love and care for. So when we come to that place where we're ready to confess, Lord, spiritually I ain't got it, but in you is everything I need. You're the God who can do abundantly above and beyond all that I can think and ask. And right now, what I'm thinking and asking for, if it's for those people still trapped in darkness, those deep people in bondages, they're, they're not just strangers or faces on the news. These are my family and friends. I know that in my spiritual poverty, you'll pick me up, seat me in heavenly places. And I have access to the resources of heaven. Because it's all you. It's not by might nor by power. My, not by my intellect. Not by my strategies. Not even by my generosity. My incredible wisdom and counseling. No, no. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. By my spirit. So in the privacy of your own seat right now. And in your own privacy of your own heart and mind. I wonder if we can just talk to God a bit. And maybe, maybe let him know that you know. Because he knows. I got nothing without you, Lord. Spiritually bankrupt. Unpayable debt. I spiritually have not benefit to myself nor anybody else but because of that I become a beggar and I look to you and I come begging at your door I come begging at your table at your feet Lord, right now, in this room, in this moment, right now, by your Spirit, you know the thoughts, the intents, 
of every mind and heart. You know what we're thinking. You know what we're feeling. But I pray right now by your Spirit, your thoughts would fill our mind and your feelings would fill our hearts. And you'd give us what each of us need right now. What we need most. Come, Lord. In no way are we doing this for our own reputation, our own vanity or pride. We're not even wanting this because of the insecurities of our life. We're wanting this because you love some people and we love those same people. So by your spirit right now, I pray, come. Come. Even to those who might be watching this on the screen. Come to their hearts. Fill their minds. We're not too proud to be beggars of God. Lord, our declaration is spiritually we ain't got it. We ain't enough. But your promise, the reality is that in that place, you give us access to the kingdom of heaven, the resources of the kingdom of heaven. Let it be so right now. In this time, in this moment, whether in this room or on a screen right now, for anyone who's joining in right now, joining in spiritually, joining in emotionally right now. Hear our cry, our confession, and bestow spiritual wealth. Let us see the blessings, the blessed state of our spiritual poverty and open up heaven to each person now. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at firstfamchristianchurch.com.